Welcome to episode four of my podcast, Sean Attempts, with me, your host, former child hand model, Sean Attempts. And what a response to the last episode. I won't mind straight into praising the listener for having such good taste, but also for the heartfelt praise that I received from people saying that they related to someone who was trying to do a good deed and it largely going unnoticed by someone who really should have said thank you. But on the flip side to that, I also received a large number of scrotal illustrations. Some of them, well, can only be described as an After Dark episode of Art Attack with Neil Buchanan. And I don't mean the sheer number or the girth, not the girth, not the, not that, the volume and the length, not always the length either, but the, the sheer volume, let's go with that word, in order to show what I'm what I'm actually phrasing as the gallery of horror or gallery of scrotal horror as I'm calling it in line with it being Halloween now just to give you a taste of the sheer veracity but also the volume there was a Warhol style Campbell soup inspired scrotal pictures okay there was a lovely cubist interpretation delicate but still a scrotum and there was even one where someone had taken the time to make it out of clay kneading away to get a very realistic looking sack and then there was the video file one four and a half minute video file of a reinterpretation of that classic scene in Ridley Scott's Gladiator where Maximus faces off against the Emperor and I could only describe it as someone who'd gone to such dedication that they had done a stop animation of those two characters but in felt scrotal form and to say it was graphic is to suggest that the original wasn't graphic enough. But without further ado, I just want to tell you a, a short story. A short story in relation to the current Halloween timing. And it's really one that remains to this day as chilling and cold as a Harold Shipman stethoscope. And that's just in time for the festivities. He'll see you now. Well, he won't because well, we know the history behind it. Now, this story actually begins back way back new new year's eve 1999 and i know it's not halloween but it is apt really for the occurrence that takes place now for those who remember new year's eve 1999 just before the big millennium celebrations taking place all over the place you had some really crazy tv that was on at the time for those who remember Graham Norton, who's still on Channel 4 at the time, he had a woman shooting ping-pong balls out of her fanny, and it was it was graphic to say the least. And of course, BBC Two had the standard Jules Holland's Hootenanny. And that's actually where I come in, because I was actually there under my professional capacity as a hand model, subbing for close-up shots for musicians whose hands were complete garbage, according to the BBC, and not TV showable. Turns out, 
I was subbing for one of Jamiroquai's instrumental bass players. And what occurred during this, something that you probably don't see, but when the camera does close-ups, it would fast switch to me holding a replica bass guitar. And I had my hands running over those strings like I was a professional, ardent player of the bass. Now, the bass player I was subbing for, he had an awful issue with sweating incredibly profuse amounts of sweat. His face was like a tap. I mean, it the, ugh, the sweat cascaded down his arms. They dripped off at his elbow. He, he was a human waterfall, to say the least. I remember during that rehearsal that he went to shake my hand and I had to actually say and feign a cold just to avoid touching a man with the same density as a paddling pool. Now, also on that bill, for those who remember the show, was Skin. And I was very eager to see if I could get a photo with her as I was a massive fan of her work. Now, picking when I could do this was going to be a bit of a skill because the set was very populated with all sorts of personnel. Now, if I recall, the lead singer of Travis was busy complaining to a producer, typical, that his t-shirt wasn't indie enough. And I saw my opportunity at this moment to leave where I was standing and sneak over to where Skin was and ask for a photo. Now, as I approached, I heard the most voracious scream you can imagine. And I turned around to find that the Jamiroquai bassist was flailing about. He was slinging his bass wildly around, its thick bezel panel hitting him in the mouth repeatedly. Dull thuds as it hit his bone and enamel, teeth cracking over his crushed jaw, blood and spit cascading onto the studio floor. That poor producer, she threw her clipboard into the air, her face completely covered in a load of base misty blood. The bassist was now steaming. I mean, his, he, he was literally steaming. And, well, to say the least, he was on fire. His smoke coming directly from his unevenly cropped hair. Now, it turned out that his very overactive sweat distribution, that had actually hit those exposed floor cables. Oh, dear, some producer's going to get... Well, it turns out that as a result of that sweat hitting those exposed cables, it actually shocked the bassist and it spun him around into a number of insane spasms. Volts upon volts were coursing its way through his entire body, turning him into a human conducting rod. His face, I will not forget his face to this day. Twisted mash of yellow and amber, his head a literal bonfire, and his torso, oh, now a deep purple. It was charring on the sight. Now, the producer, she had passed out, slumped, legs akimbo, the clipboard now strewn across that chalky floor, human skin littering that floor, pristine floor, clean floor. Alfredo does a lovely job, and it was completely ruined by the charred remains of this bassist. 
I recall that her headset was partially in her mouth, which is completely unhygienic. It wouldn't pass for today, I'll tell you that. Now, as I lurched forward, the hero in me coming to the fore, I was actually barged out of the way by a powerhouse running skin. She blazed past me towards a now blackened bassist. That's not racist, he was just very much on fire. Now, Skin reached out to try and yank the bass cable from the instrument, clever. Um, unfortunately, she was tackled by the lead singer of Travis, who had mistaken Skin for a deranged fan. Now, this actually completely rendered the rescue attempt null and void. Skin, however, recovering the quicker of the two, immediately started berating Fran from Travis, who actually countered, oddly enough, with a solo version of Driftwood, totally ignoring the now completely combusted bassist. Now, both Skin and the lead singer Travis were found 24 hours later completely burnt to a crisp in the ensuring voltage fire that engulfed Studio 2B alongside the poor producer and three caterers. Now, I actually, I escaped thanks to my own quick-witted thinking. I found myself under a giant novelty Van Morrison hat, which had to be made for the uh, specific set that Van Morrison was playing at, and I was found completely unscathed. Now, we found out later that the electrical fire had been exacerbated by Fran from Travis's band's merchandise tour t-shirts, which had been made from forced labour cheap cotton production. Turns out that Francis's from Travis, Francis's from Travis, Fran from Travis, or Francis's from Travis, as he's known as to his family, it was actually ruled as very indie by the coroner. And he was given a posthumous Brit, but not before enduring five years of extensive litigation for the wrongful death and charge for the lead singer of Skunk and Nancy. And that's really just a lesson that if you are going to appear on Jaws Holland, you might not want to use Driftwood as your starting song. Now, thanks for listening to this Halloween edition. Quick podcast there. I'll be back another another episode next week. Hopefully less macabre, so shall we say, as as is said. Thank you, listeners. <laughs>